2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Hey, yo!
3: Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And our next guest you obviously know from Fantasy Live... And, of course, the podcast on NFL Network. He is also now the host on Sirius XM Radio of Fantasy Dirt. He's the one, the only, Michael Fabiano. Michael, welcome to the program. We appreciate you dropping in. Thank you for having me,
4: dude. I mean, like, I'm looking behind you, and I see
3: you're a Mets fan, huh? I'm a loser Mets fan. These are these are the burdens I bear in life. But, again, I'm also a Patriots fan. As you see the Tom Brady paraphernalia above me, probably? Yeah, see, I'm good with
4: that, because I root, pain. I root for <laughs> the Yankees. -hmm. Cowboys Mm -hmm. and the Lakers, and what do those three teams all have in common? Winning. Were all the they were all the teams that were winning when I started rooting for (laughs) sports teams back in the early eighties. So I get crap constantly for that, but I don't have like the geographic limitation on fandom. You can root for whoever the hell you want, man. It is what it is. As long as you don't jump off the bandwagon and jump on somebody else's bandwagon, then I don't like that. But if you're faithful to the team. Come on, it could be the Mets, it could be the you know the, the Patriots. I see the Bulls, maybe. Is that the Bulls back in the Mets? That is a Michael, Michael USA, Jordan, Jordan, USA jersey. Yes, you have a yes. very
3: astute eye. I like this. I don't even know if it's in the box, but it doesn't matter, because now everybody in their mind can see it. But yes, <laughs> there's a Michael Jordan USA Dream Team jersey that I have from my childhood, by the way, that I just decided to throw up there in a frame. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm with you. Like I grew up in the 80s in New York, where in Brooklyn, the Mets were king. Okay, right, and right, right, right. that was it, my dad had a mustache, Keith Hernandez had a cool mustache, that was it. Like, you know, it was all needed to be said and done from then so, on. So but- now
4: I know what your favorite Seinfeld episode is oh, of all time.
3: Of course, I, but I'll tell you what, if you ever ask me to help you move, I'll probably do it because I like <laughs> it. I just want you to know that. Well, what, uh, about,
4: what about if I asked you to drive you to the airport though? I'm not driving him to the airport. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that, was great. that was so good. And, and we didn't even did that. practice that. That was great. So let's let's talk a little football, because I know we have, like, we could do this all day, and maybe we will. Uh, but in the meantime, let's start and talk about your Cowboys a little bit here, because obviously a big draft for them, picking up C.D. Lamb. Uh, Randall Cobb, 800 yards gone from that offense and receiving. I don't see any reason why he can't possibly fill somewhat of that role in the Black Book last year. Dak Prescott was my guy in terms of best quarterback on the board return on investment and boy did he return in a big way I think he is going to be somewhere close to that you look at this offense they're completely loaded do you see all these guys keeping up or is there somebody that you're fading from this bunch how are you approaching the Cowboys this year in fantasy.
4: I can't fade a cowboy. Come on, man! I can't do that. <laughs> you gotta I, put the personal aside. I from the- get. it. Like, I, and I and I typically Italian. do. Uh, I, I mean, that's t- what we do. It's I know. No, I get it. I get it. I I I, I understand. Okay, I understand. Yep. But um, I I think Dak is gonna end up being great. Like he's he's my QB three. He was the QB two last year. Only Lamar had more fantasy points, and now he gets Ceedee Lamb. Zeke is Zeke. No worries. Top three or four pick. Um, Amari would be the one guy that I'm a little bit concerned about because of the durability. You know, he was so great in the first half of last year, second half of the season. The injuries really sort of wore him down. His numbers uh, were, were very inconsistent and unreliable. Michael Gallup is a guy that I feel like I'd love to have as a wide receiver three. He's got to stop dropping the damn ball. I think he was second in drop passes last year behind, I believe it was Julian Edelman, because if he becomes unreliable for Dak, then they've got CeeDee Lamb and he could potentially usurp Michael Gallup. I don't think that's going to happen during their rookie ca- his rookie campaign. But you're right. There are opportunities out there. You lose Randall Cobb, you lose Jason Witten, although Blake Jarwin, you know, we'll see some of those targets as well. There are opportunities out there for CeeDee Lamb. Maybe not to make an elite impact, maybe not even to make a great impact, but to make a good impact during his rookie campaign uh, in Dallas. I could see 40 to 50 catches. I could see 700 yards. I could see five touchdowns as a rookie wide receiver, especially when you've had no OTAs, right. You might have preseason or might not. That would be pretty good because the rookies are going to have a tough time transitioning because they haven't had those valuable workouts during the entire offseason to sort of, you know, build their rapport with their new teammates and learn the offense. It's going to be really weird, man.
3: Yeah. And I've been saying the same thing. So it's good to hear someone else say it out loud because it is difficult. Now I think some guys will transcend that. I think certain guys like the Judys of the world have that kind of talent that they can, you know, rise above those scenarios. But for the most part, when you're not the main target guy in the offense, I think it's much harder you know, when there's already guys established ahead of you, it's a little easier for Judy maybe than some others. I mean, Sutton's there, but still it's kind of wide open a little bit, but CeeDee Lamb is another one where, you know, like, oh, there's so many other options. I think that's what makes it tough. Uh, let's talk about the giants too, because they just had Bob Harris, your co-host there, oh, the Dirt, who I love dearly. He is, a, yeah. he is my hero. He is my hero, my mentor. He's your, He's your bald, bald brother. He is my bald a great brother. Man. Are is, you a man. Curb Your
4: Enthusiasm guy? Pretty much,
3: pretty, pretty. Much. I mean, you know, we, we'll, dude, what, we'll like, do an hour together. You I and I mean, I'll we still, have I still to. got a codec. I can still
4: log in there on Sirius and do a show Jeff with you. Garland was on my show. Was weeks he real? You get all the celebrities. I know I Jeff. Do. You're a celebrity. I am well, not a celebrity. I I am lucky enough to know celebrities. <laughs> Jeff, I love. He's great. Every time he comes, I fabs. I love you, but I tell you something. He was throwing Fs and Ss all oh, over my the place. God. I, I thought it was you should hilarious. Know better, by the way. I thought it was hilarious. You know, the producers didn't really think it was no. all that funny. But that's Jeff. He's great. Anyways, go ahead. But he should know better. He's a pro. Like he got it. I feel I didn't really tell him. I figured you know he knew he was going to be doing an interview. But SiriusXM. Yeah, you say oh, I'm going on SiriusXM. I can mother F and S and everything like, and it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's not the Howard Stern show though. No, I, it is, I, you it know, is not. I, I, it I'm a fantasy is. sports yeah. <laughs> network, I was there for so. five
3: years, my friend. I, I know, <laughs> believe right. me, I got you on that one, but uh, yeah, he should, he should know better. But I, I thought the last season of Curb was terrific. I don't know about you. And I they're thought, coming out
4: with, uh, dude, it just keeps getting better. And he
3: was built for this, this coronavirus thing with the with it, his neurosis.
4: This is it, like, oh my he's gosh, been, he's been training his whole life for this. I feel it's like. It's gonna be awesome. Like yeah. th- this season coming up, they have to have the whole coronavirus thing as a part of it, as a as a theme for the entire. Last season was so good, it, yeah, it was so terrific. good. Thank you for your service. I I mean, I thought that kid looked a little Asian. I mean, like it's, oh. it's so. Funny. The hat to get out of lunch. It was all about Bro, the hat to get out of lunch. That was my I favorite thing ever. I met Larry David, okay, uh-huh. at NFL Network years ago. Rich Eisen used to do his podcast from the NFL Network. Oh, I saw Rich had up. the Latte Larry's cup. Yes. I saw I, on the show. Dude, I, I have that. a Latte Larry shirt, okay? And my no. son has one, and so does my girlfriend. But um, <laughs> we uh, we we met in the makeup room, okay? Mm. So I'm, you know, getting makeup. He's getting makeup. And uh, I come up to him. I say, hey, you know, Larry, Michael Fabiano, nice to meet you. Hey, Fabiano, I says yeah, it's a good Irish name. And Larry David, like Billy, laughed. Right, Man, and I felt make Larry like, David laugh, I felt like, like saying, "Good night, folks." Good night, folks. <laughs> leave on a high note. See, you always you like, like Costanza does.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I didn't do it. He was awesome. He dresses exactly like he does in the show. Him and my father have the same wardrobe. It is hilarious. There's a lot of Identical wardrobe, those two guys. That's one of the greatest moments of my life. I made Larry David, who I feel like is one of the two or three funniest dudes on the damn Uh planet, laugh. Oh, absolutely. My great. kids
3: every morning. I mean, we are so down the rabbit hole. We might as well do this. My kids every morning now in the summer, they were home. They're waking up later. So like on TBS, the reruns of Seinfeld are on. So we've been yeah. watching them over breakfast. And my daughter in the pool the other day was annoyed about something the other one did. And she said, Serenity now. And I, oh, died. I was like, look, so at it, it, I am winning as a father.
4: I am- my 10 year old. Loves curb your enthusiasm. I'm a bad parent. I know See, it. Because I won't. I have there heard are much. bad yeah, words too. they are <laughs> he has, he has watched it like when we didn't know uh-huh. that he was sort of in the room, like, you know, he would come in and he'd All watch right. and then he'd leave. Right. and we had it on. He loves Larry David., um, yes, there are topics that he shouldn't probably be <laughs> uh, watching. On there, uh, including, I, I can't say it on the show, but okay, uh, go ahead. Let's, let's
3: keep
2: going. I, just
4: I, well, we got to have this conversation another time.
3: Anytime, you, whenever you're free, you and I just talk off air or on air. I don't care either way. I could That's care good. less. As long as we're talking, uh, let's do let's talk about Miles Sanders. As long as we're talking too, because this is another guy too. Let's let's stick with the NFCs. We'll do a little theme here. Let's Miles it, Sanders was a guy for me last year that the ADP kind of rose as as we often see. Like as draft season goes on, we see ADP rising and things like that because of preseason and other stuff like that. And there was always reason for concern. But last year, that was a guy that I didn't draft, but I absolutely acquired in a lot of leagues because people started to lose faith. Is that going to be a trend you see this year with these same rookie running backs you see, too? Because Miles Sanders was a guy that got going as the year went on. And under these pandemic conditions and what's happened, do you think this is another position where maybe you're not in the best scenario drafting and paying big-time capital for Taylor, for Swift, those guys? Maybe it's better to acquire them in a trade as you get in maybe five, six weeks into the season.
4: So I don't think the pandemic has anything to do with it. I mean, you know, what does a running back need to do? Oh, hand me the ball, I find the hole, and run. OK, oh, and, quite- protect, and I know, pass protect. I, know, I get that, too. But if, okay. a guy is, if a guy is prolific in pass protecting in college, there's a good chance he's going to be able to move that into the next level. I, and there are guys out there who are going to certainly need to improve their pass protection. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but for me, here's what happened with this draft class. The running back position is loaded. But all the great guys ended up being drafted by teams that already hadn't come at starters. I They're mean, like, smart. you met Jonathan Taylor, right? Marlon Mack. You mentioned Clyde edwards Lear, Damian Williams. And, Every single you one. Know, yep. the running All of them. Like, all of them. So, so you like, Damian Williams is going to open the season as a starter.
3: Well, here's a question. You yeah. know, on the,
4: I'm going to ask you this question. Do you feel like there's a pivot
3: there where everybody's training to the young guys is there any point in time where you start reacting to the others? Because in this scenario we're in, let's oh, sure. say a guy tests positive, like we see in baseball, they could miss two weeks. If
4: that happens. It's the other guy's backfield for at least two weeks no, potentially. No doubt about that. I mean, like you're, like Damian Williams has started to rise back up a little bit because there's been a lot of chatter around him. Right. Like I mean, if he's an eighth or ninth round pick, okay. Like Mark Ingram, if he's getting drafted in within a round or two of J.K. Dobbins, okay. You know, I'll uh, carry on Johnson. Uh, he's going to end up being later. Marlon Mack is going to end up being later, but Marlon Mack could open the season as a starter to a thousand yards last Man, year. I know he's not, he's not like a garbage back. Like he was good yeah. and he's young
3: and he's explosive. So like, and only one year left, right? You would think they'd want to burn him and turn him.
4: Exactly. And he's in a, he's in that contractor. So he's going to want to actually put up some numbers because he's going to, I would think probably not be with the Colts next season. I mean, time will tell. So, So there's a benefit to this. You have to have faith in the rookie running back that you're drafting that at some point during the course of the season, they're going to take over the job. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't think he's going to be the guy in week one. Maybe it won't be until week four or week five, but he will eventually, I feel like, lead that backfield in touches. Last year, Damian Williams, who should have been the MVP in the Super Bowl, by the way, from a fantasy perspective, 21% of his points came on two runs, like two Mm. plays, that was it. He had the two long touchdowns. And so I don't know that I think he is a he's certainly not a better a better athlete than Clyde edwards alaire He's certainly not a better pass catcher than Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but because he's a veteran who helped this team win a Super Bowl, there's respect there and he's going to end up being the guy I believe to start the season, but you have DeAndre Swift. I feel like he's going to be the guy throughout the course of the season, but on Johnson is there. Nothing is for certain here, especially when it comes to these rookie backs and the veterans that are in front of them in the depth chart. We could end up seeing some messy backfield committees yeah. to start the season. We, we really could. You have to have faith that at some point, talent and upside will overcome uh, a veteran's status on the depth chart. All
3: right. We're up against it here. Where can everybody hear the show? When's it on? And what channel? Go ahead. Go do the whole thing.
4: Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio, Sirius 210, XM87, me, Bob Harris, your bald brother Mike Dempsey. <laughs> oh, my other brother! These are all my bald and brothers. Oh my god! Eastern this. time, Monday yeah. through Friday. Come check it out. We talk about fantasy football. We talk to celebrities. We talk about sports. We talk about wrestling. We had Dolph Ziggler on a couple of days ago. You can find it all, my friend. Thank you for having me on.
3: Always a pleasure. We'll be right back on Sports Grid right after this.
0: In game live.
3: You, you talk about the guy on second base. I think that could be just this season under the guise of safety and safety controls. I don't know how they're going to maintain this. No high fives. No, you know, hugging at that whole plate on a walk-off home run. No, you know, or, or what about no fights? I imagine that you'll get a warning first, something like that, and
2: then low fines, $50, I don't know, to try and get you to stop. Catch the program
0: every single day on Tsy Radio and on the Sports Grid Network
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. The baseball season is two weeks away for those of you who are considering restarting a fantasy baseball league. You better pay attention. Of course, we got a lot of pitching to talk to. At Pitcher List on Twitter, Nick Pollock joins us. We're going to go into some of the opening day starters around the league, some potential sleepers as well. You can follow on Twitter at Pitcher List. Nick, it's great to catch up with you again. How are you?
6: Yeah, it's great being here, Craig. Thanks so much. And again, I'm so excited, so excited two weeks away from real MLB baseball happening, things to actually talk about, storylines coming to fruition. I cannot wait for it.
5: Yeah, and I I would ask you this, like, there's been, like, debate going back and forth as to redrafting, restarting, should Mm -hmm. you play, should you do it at all? I I think that for us here, of course, using FanDuel and playing in DFS, that's a guarantee. But as far as, like, playing in a season-long league, uh, in, in terms of me, I've had a hard time... Uh, for myself a little bit getting motivated, but I've yeah. had a harder time getting my uh, league mates getting back motivated again. It's like everyone seems like they're very excited about baseball, but they're yeah. not excited about sitting down for two hours again and drafting because just <laughs> not sure that this whole thing is going to play out.
6: Yeah, I completely understand that. Uh, what I've been saying is embrace the chaos. This this two months is going to be just completely ridiculous. I mean, obviously to me as a fancy baseball player, well, I recognize it's not going to be the same exact Experience as 162 games that we know normally go through for six plus months But nevertheless, I mean with your friends just say look this is a different year It's a different time and let's just have fun with this actually I've been getting friends. that have never played it before they've only played fantasy football saying look You'll have to do it for two months now Yeah, it's a perfect time for you to jump into this and they I've got a couple of people already in on that So for me just just change up the format a little bit if you have a keeper league, just do a redraft this league It's fine this year and to have those different options it's gonna be really fun it's gonna be so weird and i I gotta say i kind of i kind of love that i love when it's super weird
5: yeah and uh and we're gonna have exhibition games televised coming up uh, this weekend 17th 18th 20th 21st so uh, getting excited for that stuff for sure All right, so um, let's tackle uh, some pitchers here. Let's start off with a couple of opening day starters that we know of. Teams are starting to name, and I think most teams know who's starting opening day. And by the way, if they haven't announced it, you can now map out when they're pitching in their their simulations or exhibitions. Let's start off with the first team to announce their opening day starter, which was Lance Lynn Mm -hmm. of the Texas Rangers. And as you see there, Lynn went 16-11 last year, 3.67 earned run average, struck out 246. 1.22 whip and uh, lynn has carved out a really good second career nick in in terms of where you thought that he would be remember he missed an entire year with tommy john surgery came back lost like 70 pounds came back the next year gained like 50 pounds it's like been a very bizarre uh career i would say for lynn but he Mm -hmm. is pretty much as solid as it gets it's pretty
6: remarkable. I mean, he came out of the gate last year allowing 15 or runs in just two of his first four starts, which was ridiculous. And we all thought, okay, Lance Lynn, not going to be that guy we really want you to be. But then after that, he threw over 180 innings of quality baseball. We're talking a 3.24 ERA, 117 whip, 30% strikeout rate. And what happened was that his four-seamer was absurd. I mean, we talk about Garrett Cole's being ridiculous and incredible. Lynn is right there with him. What Cole can't say about his is that Lynn has a 60%-plus Zone rate on a four-seamer that is almost just as effective as Gary Cole's with a 14% swing strike rate. Those are both well above average. We don't see that kind of swing strike rate with zone rates. Essentially, means Lance Lynn can just throw fastballs all the time in the zone with confidence, and it creates the best foundation that you want from a starter. Not to mention, he has a really good cutter. He threw it over 530 times last year, did not allow a single home run in a time when it's of the bouncy ball era, and everyone is allowing home runs left and right. Even in Arlington which was a home run haven. Lancelin didn't allow a single one on that cutter. And I really like him for this year. I mean, he just threw a, a simulated, start. those intrasquad squad games, six innings already stretched out, dominated in it with eight strikeouts. Sure. Those stats don't really matter, but the fact that he's already pushing it this early, that's the kind of guy that I go for at this point. We want to make sure we have players on our teams that are doing what they can at their ceiling as soon as possible. You know, some of these guys like the Braves, for example, they've talked about even Cole Hamels, Fulton Nevich, not going past five innings in their first start. We've heard about Cole maybe not going 100 pitches in his first start. Lance Lynn, there's no way you're taking the ball away from him if he's cruising after six in that first outing. That's the kind of stuff I want because we might just get 10 starts from these guys. That's 10 percent of your production. Coming from that first start, and Lin is is someone I'm targeting everywhere because of this.
5: Yeah. I, look, I, I think that the number one starter on every team, it, it's a lot different in fantasy this year than it has been in years mm-hmm. past. Uh, you get the number four starter on some other club, and he makes 26 starts. The number one gets 32, but you'd rather have the 26th of the four guy because maybe he has a better skill set. I mean, it's counting stats this year in Roto. I mean, you need yeah. to get as many yeah. numbers as you can, and, and Lin is there. For the Reds, uh, Sonny Gray is going to take the ball opening day for Cincinnati. Last season, uh, again, I mean, actually two pitchers who were sort of enduring renaissances. Uh, Gray mm-hmm. was great last year. 2.87 earned run average, 205 strikeouts, 1.08 whip. He won 11 games. We know that's not really an indication of a player. But uh, the Reds' offense was kind of sputtering when they were behind him last year. So let's, let's discuss Sonny Gray. Do you— have him in that same category as Lynn, opening day starter, counting stats are there, plays for a good team, can get deeper. Maybe not as deep into the game as Lynn, but can get deep into games.
6: Yeah, definitely. I think the Reds are going to let Sonny Gray go a bit. It doesn't seem like they're limiting uh, their pitchers as a whole relative to the other organizations that have really come out and said that, hey, we're going to take it slow to start the year. So it does make me more excited about Sonny Gray. And something that I came across in February was this fantastic interview on r2c2 with trevor bauer and cc sabathia and ryan rucco where Sonny gray talked about adding trevor bauer to the team helped him out because bauer then started showing him all the slow motion camera footage of his pitches taught him a new slider and all of a sudden from august to the end of the year Sonny gray was absolutely dominant sub 2 era sub 1 whip it was ridiculous what he was doing and i It's really easy to buy into the fact, oh, right, his secondary pitches got better because of this obvious training that he did with Trevor Bauer. I think that's going to stick for this year. Yes, he does need to lower his walk rate a little bit. It was around 11% or so during that time. A little too high for our standards. Nevertheless, with better secondary stuff to help out a kind of middling fastball, I am excited about Sonny Gray, especially that the offense got better for the Reds as well as he added Nicky Cassianos. Love that, of course. I think he's going to get wins. I think he has a favorable schedule. It's one of the most favorable schedules of the season ahead. Yeah. And Sonny Gray going deep from day one. Sign me up.
5: Yeah, yeah, Sonny Gray, another opening day starter on the map there in fantasy. And now let's go from uh, two guys who will start opening day to one that I think in 2021 will end up starting opening day, but not for this year, <laughs> it is Zach Gallen of the sure. Arizona Diamondbacks, who it's it's incredible to me that you know, that before the Mike Leak stuff, that we could still even be having a discussion about him not being in the rotation. I don't know where right. this is coming from. It's just bizarre, but I guess those people did not watch him pitch last year in Miami <laughs> or Arizona because record aside, and he had a losing record, you know, on Miami, that they didn't score for him, but his ERA was 2.89. And here is the staggering number for him at a, as a young player, 10.9 strikeouts per nine last year, um, Look, right now, Nick, he's projected to be either their three or their four or maybe even their five. I mean, for me, the skill set for Gallon is that of a number two at the very least. Now, we have not seen this guy throw, uh, you know, pitch 35 games in 200 innings. And until a pitcher does it, I'm hesitant to say that he can. But I don't need to worry about that in 2020. So he should be a lot higher, I think, on people's radars. I bet him before the season started, uh, Nick, a uh, significant amount of money to win over eight and a half games. Uh, oh, yes. I got my money back because, you know, there, was, there were the bets inconsequential because there mm-hmm. is no bet on that anymore. But I absolutely think that there'll be a mini breakout this year. I can't predict a major breakout with, with only making eight starts. <laughs> it's hard to <laughs> know. Of course, yeah. I uh, So, I mean, I could talk a long time about the developments
6: of Zach Allen. I actually do want to hear at some point you're – live reactions to that trade happening from Miami uh, to Arizona. But uh, I'm a huge Zach Allen fan. I think he has four pitches in his repertoire that are phenomenal. And he has a cutter. Um, Well, he calls it a cutter because he needs to think like as he throws a slider to act like a cutter. But it's a pitch that can go in and out. And when it's in, he is flat out dominant. But the best part is he has two other secondaries that are excellent as well. They doesn't even need that slider to complement them. A curveball and a changeup that both miss bats. He throws in the zone confidently, and even the shift from Miami and Arizona helped a lot because he even talked about it. The Diamondbacks said, "You know what? We're going to change how we do things. We're going to have a blueprint just for you, where we're going to go north-south, complete with you. We think your put pl- stuff plays much better that way." He talked about in Miami, they are a little bit more east-west, but when he came to Arizona, now it's four seamers up, secondary stuff down. I call that the Blake Snell blueprint. I love seeing that. It's a path to success in the majors when you have the stuff for it. And Gallen certainly does. The only hesitation I would have is maybe the Dimex at the end of their staff are not going to let him go this loose, as we were just talking about with Lance Lynn and with Sonny Gray. But nevertheless, Zach Gallon. I mean, he threw well over 150 pitches last year. Sorry, innings last year. Yeah. I think that he's just going to go and they're going to be really leaning on him. During the season, they have a fantastic rotation, and we were there as well. Obviously, they added Bumgarner, too. Right. And I and Robbie Ray, of course, you never know how he's going to be, but I mean, if he's killing it, that can be a phenomenal rotation. And they're going to need him on that fourth day to say, hey, look, we need that win today to make that playoff push. So I think Gallant is just going to well outperform his current ADP. I think he's going to make so many people happy. And you're talking about volume. He's going to get those strikeouts. He was getting constantly eight, nine strikeout yeah, games yeah. all through August to September as a Diamondback. Huge fan of Gallant.
5: Yeah, he, he he will have to learn to pitch to more contact. He does not get deep into games, and it happened in Miami, uh, especially in the first couple innings. Uh, you know, Too many pitches, not being as aggressive, mm-hmm. walking guys. And I think that that will come down in time. Uh, wins will be still hard to come by, I think, yes. for him. I don't, I don't think he's going to turn into, in a 162, a, a 15-game winner anytime mm-hmm. soon because he's going to have to, you know, I mean, he's— you have to pitch into the sixth, seventh inning in order to preserve that bullpen. Right, you got to right. get to that point. You can't just con- consistently go five and count on your team having a lead. That's not possible. All right, uh, Nick. Before before we let you go, uh, pitcher yeah. list. Uh, tell us uh, the latest. What's going on over there? And certainly how people can. Uh, Get involved on everything that you have and all of your pitching breakdowns.
6: Yeah, of course. Uh, Check out pitchless.com. We're doing about 15 to 20 pieces of content in season as that goes on. All your daily ranks of starters, your SP Roundup going over all starters from the night before. Talking about relievers that day for Vulture wins and saves. We have everything covered. During the regular season, of course, get PL Plus. as pitcherless.com slash plus. You can hang out with us on our Discord. See the site ad-free as well, so you can actually talk to our staff and get up-to-the-minute fantasy advice for your teams. So definitely check us out there. But yeah, listen to our On the Corner podcast as well, First Pitch Podcast in the morning. And we hope to see you on Twitter and on our Discord as
1: well.
5: All right, awesome. Nick Pollock at Pitcherless joining us here on the Monday edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, If you just joined us and you want to go back, head on over to our YouTube channel as soon as the show is over. You can hear Nick break down Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray, and the Arizona Diamondbacks young pitcher, Zach Gallon. I'm sure we'll have Nick back on again soon. We'll go through some more pitchers before the Major League Baseball season kicks off on the 23rd, and then everyone starts on the 24th right after that. Speaking of which, we got to take a timeout here on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back next, Joe Pisapia joins me back in the house. We continue more fantasy discussion at Sports SportsGrid is where you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish as well. Don't go away.
0: you're watching sports grid get on the grid
5: And welcome back to FanDuel Sportsbook, actively taking bets on the 2020 Major League Baseball season if you're doing any kind of season win totals. I doubt that they're going to be on a sliding scale this year, so you want to get those in by the time opening day starts, either next Thursday if you're in on the Yankees or Nationals, and then next Friday for everybody else. And so if you want to go back on demand and check out our YouTube channel, SportsGrid, Joe and I have reviewed the season win totals for all the teams basically up to the letter S And so this week, we will close it out. We're going to take care of the Mariners today and the Cardinals. We're starting off alphabetical order, so S for Seattle and ST for St. Louis. I'm sure a lot of you want my opinion on the Cardinals, so I certainly will have that for you. Uh, But, Joe, let's start off today by talking about the Seattle Mariners. Now, the Mariners' win total at the FanDuel Sportsbook is sitting right at 24.5, minus 106 on the over. Minus 116 on the under, so a little bit of a lean toward the under here, risking $116 to win 100. Not, not terrible there, and 106 to win 100 on the over. Uh, Seattle is a uh, little bit of a stranger team, Joe, going into mm-hmm. this season. I think it's one of those teams that really needed minor league development, not as much major league development. But they did make the commitment in spring training basically to tell us that uh, the vets are going to sit and the rookies are going to play. And so, therefore, guys like Kyle Lewis and Shed Long, uh, gonna suit up, gonna play every single day for them. And guys like D. Gordon are gonna come off the bench. Of course, Haniger has been hurt, and there's still no timeline on him. So this was sort of of a development year for the Mariners. where I, I don't feel like they tore it all the way down, but they tore it down to the point where you know that they're, you know, in that year two or year three sort of of that rebuild, and they have a hot young prospect who they think is gonna help them a lot in the future too. But again, um, you know, anything can happen with that. Uh, So for me, Joe, I I look at Seattle and, you know, I certainly don't think that they're going to be 500. Like that would be a stretch for me. And and their their schedule is not particularly favorable. Also, having to face off with the Dodgers and some of the teams in the NL West, like San Diego as well. And then their own division isn't that favorable either, playing Oakland and playing Houston. So I, I would lean toward the under, but look, it wouldn't shock me. If we saw a better Mariners team in the second half of this 60 game than we did in the first, Mm -hmm. I think out of the box, it's going to be a struggle for them. But when some of those young rookies start to get a little bit better, I could see them starting to win more. And I do think that this is one that may come down to the last week of the season as well.
3: Yeah, I would lean towards the under, but I'm a little scared of this one, too, because if some of these kids do get some playing time, that could definitely change things. They could get more competitive. Also, this is one of the faster teams in Major League Baseball. You got J.P. Crawford, you got Malik Smith, you got Dee Gordon, you got uh, Kyle Lewis. You got a lot of guys here who can run. Uh, Shed Long's another one of these guys, too. So they could potentially play a brand of baseball that we're not very used to seeing. And I don't know how other teams are going to react to that right away. That's going to be a fascinating thing to see. I think there's a lot of individual pieces that are worth watching here. Shed Long is one of those guys. He's 24 years old. In my mind, statistically, he reminds me of like that next coming of Martín Prado. Like maybe a guy that doesn't really fit anywhere, but like you're going to find a place for him to fit because he'll hit enough and he'll be, you know, a serviceable player. I don't know if he's got big-time upside. Kalenic has big-time up, upside, so is Rodriguez some of the other guys in there. Those guys I'm really interested to see. I'm a little concerned, though, because you're not getting a full season or 100 games of these guys getting at-bats. And I don't know how much that sets them back. I know Kalenic is an incredible worker, and the kid just – he works his tail off, and I, and I get that, but there's no substitute. You and I will both agree, I think, on this – for real game scenarios, real at bats against real live pitching. I'm sorry. Like, that that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And I'm kind of worried if, if this sets a team like the Mariners, who are really looking forward to next year, some of those guys' development back. Like, I wonder where we're at with that. But when you look at their rotation, it's tough to see them coming close yeah, to being a 500 problem. team. Yeah. Uh, if anybody can, you know, kind of play above board in this rotation, to me, it's Kikuchi because he was not healthy last year. I think. Transition to first year obviously took a lot of toll on him. I think when you're not healthy and you're not confident, that's a bad combination. He came into spring, looked much better in spring. Now we don't want to take that for rote either. Spring training numbers are like preseason football numbers. But for certain guys, there's always that little glimmer where you look at them and you go, okay, maybe this is the beginning of a better version of this player. And I want to give him a pass for year one. It's a lot to ask. That's the one guy that I think can play above board. I'd love to see Tywon Walker revive his career. I was always very high on him as a prospect. It just never really worked out. But really, Craig, I mean, this pitching is not very good, and the bullpen is kind of a mess too. So I would lean under, but, man, I just yeah, – I don't think it's a good bet.
5: Yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> love it either. I, w- I would lean under as well. I think that you know, my fear for going under on this is what happens if they call up these kids to play the last couple of weeks if Kalenic – and Rodriguez, like they have them on the 60 a man roster. So, you know, that's certainly interesting. Uh, the other part of this is that look, Malik Smith is a game changer on the bases. He has not been there yet for the Mariners. So, um, I don't know what his, you know, what the story will be for him. But a imagine lot of
3: those stuff. three guys in one lineup. Like, if you're the opposing catcher, that's a frustrating day, right? Like, there. Or the opposing pitcher, too. I mean, trying yeah. to hold these guys on. Like, you need to play Whitey Herzog baseball with this team. Now, I don't know if they're ready to do that. I know they, you know, they, I don't know if they regret starting the clock and and bringing up and signing to an extension Evan White. Do you think they were, you know, looking back on it, wish they hadn't? No,
5: You know exactly who Evan White is.
3: Right, and it's another guy that's not going to, blow the doors off. I don't think is going to blow the doors off, but they might be pretty good players. They might be serviceable at the very least. And if you could play a certain style of baseball where you just got to put the ball in play and these guys are running amok, I don't know, man. Like they might be one of these teams. that's really annoying <laughs> to
5: play against. It, it, it could be. I'll, I'll wait till the, the first week and then make that call on them. Uh, Cardinals are uh, back for 2020 looking like last year. Uh, their total is 31 and a half, minus 116 on the over. The under, uh, of course, is the same, 31.5, minus 106. Look, St. Louis is never bombing, so you know that. Like It's right. it's, it's not a team that is going to be massively under five hundred. At the most, it's always a game or two. They always seem to find a way to stay in it. I don't think this year will look any different. Over the weekend, Carlos Martinez came back and pitched an inter-squad game and he looked really good. We know that their offense is a little bit challenged and sometimes not 100% healthy with some of these guys, but they do have a kid who we think that we may see now uh, on opening day in Dylan Carlson. So that could be a factor as well. Goldschmidt has spent all of his time uh, during the pandemic still continuing to work out, both in Jupiter and St. Louis. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of it will come down to their starting pitching and I think a lot of it will come down to, is Flaherty going to be dominant? And if he is, I think this, this can go over. Uh, I would not bet under on the Cardinals. It would just be a matter of over or nothing for me. And my lean would be, if I like close my eyes and dream about it, like, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals should be able to win 33 or 34 I games. Agree. This is I not it's, really asking a lot.
3: No, it's over like by by two games or one game, but I think it's over. I do. Uh, and, I, and I'm one of these guys that, yeah, it's like Jack Flaherty was brilliant in the second half last year. He was a year under two. I mean, everything you could possibly ask for Jack Flaherty, he did. And there's a lot of people that want to point out all the time, well, you can't sustain that. You can't. Well, no, of course you can't sustain that. But it doesn't mean that Jack Flaherty hasn't turned the page in his career. It doesn't matter that he's now closer to the, the Groms and Strasburgs than he was the prospect guy with potential. So, you know, let's at least acknowledge that this guy has crossed over into that elite discussion whether or not we want to anoint him as elite the fact of the matter is i do too the fact of the matter is he had elite starts in the second half last year so i think he is the trouble is what do you have after that now if you have carlos martinez you've got something i think when you look at the uh, finer stats of dakota hudson the win totals or something if you go deeper the fip and things like that there's a lot of regression potentially in hudson this year there's a guy that didn't miss a ton of bats that's always a concern too. So I think he basically, everything broke right for him last year. Mikolas is not my kind of pitcher. Again, I don't love the guys that don't have big time strikeouts. It's I don't drink. either,
5: but also keep in mind, this was not a guy that wasn't going to pitch until now anyway, he was True. doing this half no. the season and now he's there. So that right. changes the view on him. And um, yeah, and then look, if if they hold on to Libertor, and I'm not sure that they will, but if they hold on to Libertor and he's able to jump into this rotation, I've talked about how much I like Kwang Young Kim I think well, who's out then? Is Wainwright out? If Kim is him, no, I think that they're all in. Well, well then be? you have
3: got Flaherty, Hudson, Mikelis, Wainwright, Kim, but I didn't mention Carlos Martinez, who you want to put in there. So somebody's getting bounced.
5: Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, and no, the problem is, is if that Kim gets bounced, yeah, no, so you Kim, have five Kim righties. Would probably in have to be the swing guy in that case. But that's
3: tough, man, because you got five righties in this rotation, and I don't know if that's that's the best idea. I know it's a 60-game season, but, Craig, don't you have to have a lefty in there?
5: I I would still say that even with all five of those guys being healthy to start, I would say that if Kim is healthy and you said give me the, the win total for his starts, I would say he still gets four or five starts no matter what. Somehow, I okay. think— he you know. Finds- I think you're probably right there.
3: The, look, the good news is— He looked better that- than
5: anybody I saw in right.
3: Screen. And you can never have enough starting pitching. We've learned that the hard way, millions and millions of times. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to test positive. So it's going to be issues where you're right. You got to have somebody who can step in there, and make starts, and they've got that, which is terrific. The problem is the bullpen here. This is where I come down to the Cardinals. It's it's that bullpen. Is it Gallegos? Is it not Gallegos? Is it it's not going to be Hicks? Like trying to figure out. You get a bounce back from Miller. I like the offense. I. I You know, we already talked in the show today about how much we still think of Yadier Molina. Goldschmidt is still an elite player. He told you so last year.
5: Uh, (laughs) Young also. young is really underrated.
3: Yeah, I mean, Edmund's a guy that I think is a little overrated because you go back and look at the minor league track record, that power is not there. So I would not take those 11 home runs and extrapolate them over a whole full season. That's a foolish thing to do. But you hope that the O'Neills, the Baders, the Carlson's, all of them step up. But that's asking a lot. There's enough here that I think they can go over 500. I don't think they're going to be a dominant team because there are some questions with the youth and there are some questions with the bullpen, and those two things are going to hold it back. But it's hard not to lean over here just slightly because it's the Cardinals, and they always find a way.
5: Yeah, I mean, the one thing about this division is that I don't see anyone winning 40 games here. I think it's somewhere in the mid-30s. And by the way, even if, some team does win 40 games and the Cardinals find themselves five games out of it with a few to go and they're chasing down this win total, they're going to play right to the end. There's no punting with the Cardinals. They're not looking for uh, early draft picks. It's just not something that they do. Well, a former uh, Cardinal, of course, we talked about with Lance Lynn and Nick Pollock earlier in the show. Coming up next, we switch over to a little fantasy football as, uh, believe it or not, the New England Patriots, seem to be doing the best job that they possibly can financially as they have cleared some space is there a reason for that is aj green coming to town is there something that could be up the Patriots' sleeve joe and i will talk about that next as we wrap things up on fantasy sports today right here on sports grid after this quick timeout so don't go away And welcome back. Joe and I, of course, here wrapping up Fantasy Sports today here on this Monday. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. But, of course, we still have some time to go here on this show. And just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about what the Patriots accomplished over the last 24, 48 hours. And maybe that means that the Patriots have something else up their sleeve for 2020, not just Cam Newton. Or maybe they want to pay Cam Newton something. I don't know. Cam Newton's got to be looking at this thing going, whoa, what happened? I need <laughs> that money. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, first, you know, it, you, you heard us cover a lot of the baseball talk at the beginning of the show, and and look, I don't, I don't know that we'll dive from fantasy to reality pretty quickly here because I, I don't know that from a fantasy perspective, that Michael Kopeck would have been uh, a monster this year. I, I mean, that would have been hard to figure. He hasn't pitched in a year, but I think that we were all looking forward to seeing him pitch. And then over the weekend, Joe, he was just sort of like on a list as an opt-out. And, and that was bizarre because, of course, there is a young up-and-coming starting pitcher. And for do- those people who don't know, who is Michael Kopech? Well, Kopech was a very important piece in a trade that sent Chris Sale from Chicago to Boston. In fact, uh, Johan Moncada, who is starting third baseman for the White Sox, was also in that deal. And the thought process was eventually that Kopech would be a starter in the White Sox rotation. Certainly their rotation is pretty good without him right now too, uh, with Reynaldo Lopez and Dylan Cease and Giolito and Dallas Keuchel. So uh, from the baseball side, I think they're in good shape. But from the reality side, to hear their pitching coach come out, Joe, over the weekend and say that he's a little worried about Kopech, there was apparently a period of time uh, early on the spring training where uh, he didn't come or didn't uh, you know have some issues. And you know when you sort of hear these things, it makes me think that the player hasn't been in touch with the team if one of the coaches is talking about it in this way and i know that from covering these sort of situations in baseball uh, i would have worry as well and i and i think it does go uh, to show and i you know it was interesting yesterday uh, my son and i you know woke up in the morning on sunday morning and we were just kind of you know, watching he he likes to watch baseball YouTube like old videos, mm-hmm. and I and I felt like because he knew who this player was, that you know it doesn't know him personally or anything like right, you know right. some of the Marlins guys, but I felt like I had to have that conversation with him, and I was like, you know, you're gonna see that uh, maybe there's gonna be a story on uh, on Michael Kopeck of the Chicago White Sox and not pitching, and he says, like, well, why is he not pitching? I said, I don't know, and I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I think the important thing to note from this is that if you ever feel a certain way about something, make sure you let us know. And that, to me, is a little bit of a, you know, an unfortunate way to have to start off this segment. but no, I it was think a teachable
3: a, moment, Sure, yeah.
5: I think everybody needs to know that because it is scary when your organization puts out these sort of comments publicly. And by the way, Joe, there's a reason for that. He didn't just say that just to say it. He's reaching out publicly, sort of to, you know, get, I, I think, the pitcher to engage a little bit. And so hopefully, by the end of the day today here on monday or tuesday there's more clarity on this player but i know we had some high hopes for him as a pitcher but that is now all completely i think on the side
3: i always find it fascinating in, in your line of work when you read between the lines and when you think speculation is worthy uh, because sometimes certain like you said an organization is making a point to publicly say something about it, and when Sometimes we read too much into things. Like how how do you go about that personally? Because I'm always fascinated by this and what you do. Oh yeah, how do you I mean, find that line between the two? Yeah, it's things? an
5: opinion show, and so that's my opinion. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I could tell you that the White Sox have been back now, Joe, for a week and a half. They could have done this on the first day. They could have mentioned this on the first day. You know? Do
3: they? Well, does that mean that they were waiting, trying to get him into camp? Or I, look,
5: I, I don't have those answers, but two right okay. in for this to come out now. Um, and volunteered, remember, Mm -hmm. coaches, general managers, and players are not saying anything in particular about the play. Well, I take it back. Some are. The players have allowed some organizations to say their name that they've tested positive for COVID. Right. But this is not one of those situations, I don't think. I don't know, but I don't think. And so for uh, Cooper, who's been around a long time and doesn't have words like he— Like, this is, I think, one of the best ones out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is him saying, Hey, like, we've tried, I I mean, like, we've tried to get in touch with him to figure out what's going on. And for him to say that he's worried and say it publicly means, I think, Hey, whoever is around him right now needs to uh, take special notice to make sure that he's okay. We may find out, by the way, that he is completely okay. I'm, you know, this is just my opinion on it. But, Joe, this is something that could have been done day two of camp mm-hmm. day three of camp day five but it gets to a point where it's been you know almost two weeks and and you gotta you know get a grip on it i, I know from miami's perspective and covering the marlins perspective they're not talking about the players that aren't there and we're all having to speculate that it's covid related well that's but the it, hard part is but is it gets to a point where, where, where that's the first
3: thing we all jump to But maybe it's not. (laughs) I guess that's the question. Yeah, but,
5: but, and here, and here is, herein lies the problem. Here's why it's so obvious. And I'll use Miami as an example. So they've had four players from the beginning, the beginning, since this all back started, not show up, right? Like that's the deal, not show up. But yet over the weekend, they basically said, yes, Jazz Chisholm is back with us at camp. So we, we know. Mm-hmm. The scenario, essentially, right, right. that was out there for a couple of weeks with him not being there. It is obvious now, and I think that that's what's making it more obvious for for everyone else. Some organizations are talking about it more publicly, but again, in this particular situation, I don't think that I my concern is anything COVID-related. It is more of a of a mental situation-related, and um and you and you just hate to see something like this because this is actually a kid that's been pretty public over the last couple of years too. So.
3: Yeah, look, I got to tell you, like listening to all of this right now, uh, you know, I think anyone who has dynasty shares of Michael Kopek is probably a little concerned and and maybe you should be. Now, I don't know if you want to overreact to this, but oh, from a fantasy
5: was, perspective, you were petrified. No.
3: question. Uh, okay. All right, so there you go. So Craig just did it for you. There you go. If you were afraid, Craig just pushed it I mean, you, you, you hate to the, be crass the...
5: about it, but the reality of the situation no. is that you you root for somebody's health, but if this is a if if we're talking about a fantasy conversation, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why, uh, it took Forrest Whitley this long, you know, to get back to the big, you know, to be in the, I mean, it should, he should have been starting for them last year in 2019. Right. But, right. Well, I'm already
3: skeptical and a little afraid of guys who throw a hundred miles an hour anyway. Cause typically when you look back at the record of those guys, things don't work out pretty well. You know, these guys who just throw the ball so hard and their max effort all the time. Like I like pitchers. You know, I, I like the guys who understand the art form of pitching. And I think those guys always pop to me more than the guy who's lighting up the radar gun. But that's the problem Major League Baseball now is we get so excited about the radar gun as opposed to other things. Now, I don't know if this is a mental health issue. I don't know if this is a physical no, health know. issue. we don't know. have no idea. We don't know what it is. But we're but, praying
5: for this guy, that's for sure.
3: Well, we're certainly hopeful that whatever it is, it turns out to be not the worst case scenario. But I think you are looking right now as a Michael Kopech keeper dynasty league owner – That this has gone from a stock that was a very, very high stock to now a stock that is at least in question, you know. And I think when you have at least in question, then you have to make a decision. And sometimes it's a hard decision, which is, do I want to sell no longer at the highest point for this player just to get something? Oh, there's no point in
5: selling now. No, you can't.
3: Well, because there might be some people out there. I don't know if it's all the way at 10 cents yet.
5: It's pretty much there.
3: Well, under the circumstances of this year and the age of Kopech, and still uh, unless, unless you're catching John,
5: somebody snoozing, not paying attention, I don't this know, is man. A significant story when you. Can't
3: well, you get know what? Attention. This always brings me back to the same thing, which is when you're in those formats, no matter how alluring it is to have the upside. I'll give you a perfect for instance. Last year in uh, in a dynasty league, I traded a minor league, still eligible, Jesus Lazardo, to acquire Garrett Cole. It worked out pretty well. Jesus Lazardo unfortunately had shoulder surgery. I did not wish that on him. I was very high on Lazardo, and yeah, I'm paying like a thirty-something dollar salary for Garrett Cole. But you know what? I'm gonna get my thirty dollars worth out of him, as opposed to the minor league version of Lazardo. And right. who knows what I'm getting out of Lazardo the next three years? I think I have a pretty good idea what I'm getting out of Cole. And what I'm trying to circle back to is the concept of no matter how tantalizing a young player is in these dynasty keeper formats, don't lose sight of. Every year, the one thing that cycles in Major League Baseball is new, young, exciting talent. They come out of nowhere in the minor leagues. They come out of college baseball and get drafted, high school baseball, all these things. The one thing that doesn't cycle every year is really good Major League talent. Always, always take the Major League talent when it's in front of you when you can, instead of waiting for the what-if guy. Yeah, you're going to get the Acunas. But you're also going to get a lot of other players out there that don't turn into anything close to that. And I just want to urge everybody to not lose sight of that in those leagues. You're looking for a two- to three-year window at all times. You can always tear it down if it's not working out and rebuild and two years be good. Otherwise, if you're always one of these teams that's always relying on prospects, you're constantly spinning your wheels, spinning your wheels, always looking ahead instead of being competitive.
5: Yep, for sure. For sure. All right, well, we'll hope for the best for uh, Copac. Let's uh, dive into the Patriots situation here, Joe, where they've reached settlements in their uh, grievances with Antonio Brown and uh, the departed uh, Aaron Hernandez. Um, And you can see here that Field Gates reported they recouped $4 million in salary cap space from Antonio Brown, two and a half from Hernandez, and now they have $7 million to spend. So I don't know. Like... Mm -hmm. This is not my expertise in trying to figure out caps and who they could be going for, but (laughs) I certainly know who Leonard Fournette is and I know who AJ Green is. And look, I think that maybe that there's something else in play here, but then again, training camp opens next week. Like maybe there's nothing in play here, but I guess it's just worth noting that it's interesting because these are two players that at once upon a time they had pretty high hopes for.
3: Well, it's also a lot of money to clear at this juncture in the season after just signing Cam Newton, so there's a certain thought process of, hey, look what we just did. We just got Cam Newton on the cheap. If we can just kind of settle these other deals and all of a sudden free up more cap space, we can surround him with more talent and really make a run here. And I think that's what they're thinking. Now, the problem is AJ Green's making 17 million, Odell Beckham's making 14 million. So anybody like that, another team's gonna have to eat the at least right. half of that deal. And that's not impossible because some of those teams are looking for salary relief too. So there's a, there's a world where the Bengals go, all right, we'll eat half of it. You take A.J. Green and, and we'll save some money. And we can apply that next year and blah, blah, blah. And it all works out. So that's not inconceivable. Uh, Leonard Fournette is not inconceivable. Um, I would even think that there's a possibility the Bears could turn things down. And man, Alan Robinson would be a fantastic piece along with Cam Newton. Oh, say, my God I don't think
5: they would do that before the season, though.
3: Uh, I don't think they would do it before the season. I I don't think they would do it before the season. However, we have noticed a trend in the last three years in the NFL, which is all of a sudden the trade deadline in the NFL has actually been a trade deadline.
5: Yeah, there's been players traded. We've
3: had significant players traded. that were fantasy relevant in the last three years. And you and I both know that is not a normal occurrence. So everybody needs to be aware. Yes, the Pats are always, you know, manipulators of the cap and things like that. This was a very methodical thing they did, doing it all at once, doing it the way they did it and when they did it. So just keep an eye out. They might sit on it or they might just be making an opening for a trade deadline move, too. Either way, this is something to be aware of when you're making wages on the Patriots this year because they think they're in it.
5: Yeah. Well, look, they did do that last year at the deadline, too. It was a horrible trade, but they tried. It was. They tried. They got some new. All right, uh, that'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Nick Pollack for coming on the program. Thanks to our good friend Michael Fabiano as well. And thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for putting our show together today here on this Monday. Joe and I will be back for another edition tomorrow. Meanwhile, stay on the grid the rest of the day. Great programming coming ahead. For Joe Pizzoppia, I'm Craig Mish. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. See ya.